What's up, everybody? Welcome into Pace the Nation. Broadcasting back here in Studio 1A in downtown Arlington, Virginia. We are back. And when I say back, I really mean back in the heart of the universe. Of course, that's Clarendon from our one week away in Atlanta. I'm your host, Chris Farley, back again for episode 226 of Pace the Nation. And I've got one co-host with me. To my right here, we're sitting in a kind of awkward dating situation. Uh, oh, yeah, situation. we're standing forward. <laughs> it's Julie Cully. Julie, what's up? I didn't know you were gone from for a week to Atlanta. <laughs> no, it was a few A week days. ago, it, we were in ago. Atlanta. Yeah, a week ago. A week, a week ago. I mean, you were traveling uh, so much, and I could have been gone a week. You might not have known. It's true. <laughs> you were at No, Biggie, trust so. me, I think I would have known. <laughs> Uh, well, excited to be back in studio. Unfortunately, William Dox is, uh, speaking of traveling, who knows where, where Dox where is? Where in the world is <laughs> I don't know. William E. Dox? Yeah, uh, Dox did a fantastic job uh, last week. And, 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 and from the top of the show, I want to thank um, our listeners. Uh, an unbelievable um, podcast happy hour. I know that you had to get out of town, and I'm sorry about that. Um, but it was really a big moment for the show. Uh, you know, we had the, the live broadcast that Brooks uh, sponsored. We put on uh, an awesome show. Hopefully everybody enjoyed that. Uh, and then just a, t- a ton of getting, getting together with some other podcast fans. And uh, we, most of us, watched a, a pretty awesome, uh, um, unbelievable marathon. Uh, I know you had to get out of town because um, you were on your way to Big East or back, back to D.C., for a Georgetown event, then to Big East in Cleveland, um, did you get to watch the the race on your phone, or what did what did you end up doing? I watched the race. I started watching the race from the hotel room, which then transitioned to the elliptical uh, <laughs> while I was trying to do a quick workout before the flight. Um, yep. I watched it as I was Ubering or canceling Ubers to try to get out of town. There were so many road closures; it was hard to get a ride out of town. I watched it through security. I watched it all the way until um, I walked onto the plane. And right before I walked onto the plane, uh, both men's and women's uh, 2020 Olympians were crowned. That's so, awesome. You know, it's it's an amazing experience being out on the course. Um, but sometimes it's really nice to just watch it from the phone because <laughs> yeah. you get really a firsthand view. Yeah. You don't get to see where other people are in the race because they really only cover the front pack. Yep. Um, but it was really um, an incredible experience. So let's talk about that. So yeah. So that's what we're gonna, we, we were out, we were out on the course with Docs, and like you said, it was it was a lot of people there. So it's a little harder. So I had my phone. I had the best of both worlds. I had my phone watching and you know watching uh, runners come through uh, on the Criterion course. Um, so it, it was it was an unbelievable experience to see these athletes who are at such a high level compete. Um, really cool that we had. A number of athletes uh, that that were were on the show in the past competing, uh, and on today's show we're just going to probably just cover a little bit of the Olympic trials. Uh, we'll talk about some of the athletes that have been on our show in the past, and we'll we'll uh, recap where they finished. Um, and um, we're going to just one more time, one more time Olympic trials talk. Um, so because uh, it was it was such an unbelievable weekend. And, and with that, uh, we're excited to have uh, the executive director and race director of the Olympic Trials. He's the executive director of the Atlanta Track Club. Rich Kana will be joining us on uh, today's program. So that's super Swing and exciting. big this week. I know. So that's super exciting. So uh, if you enjoy the marathon talk, it's uh, another week for you. Uh, if you don't enjoy the marathon talk. Um, sorry. Sorry. Hang in there um, for one more week. Um, 
So, and, and I probably do have one story that's our family related that I want to share too, but it'll be a quick I'm show. I'm sure today. Docs is going to love this piece. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the Olympic team was uh, a surprise. Uh, you and I had our same same team selected um, from last week's show. Uh, but uh, three people on the women's side that I didn't guess. The overall champ, she runs with uh, Northern Arizona Elite, Alephine. Alephine was the champ. Uh, she ran 227. Um, Molly Seidel, Seidel. My, Molly Seidel was second in 227.31, so pretty close women's race. The women's mm-hmm. race was super exciting, and third was Sally Kipiego uh, in 228.52. Des Linden, um, just about 11 seconds back um, off that Olympic team. So really exciting, and it, was, it, w- wasn't, sh- it wasn't certain who was going to win until, um, you know, until the final, a uh, couple miles. So, uh, yeah, Des was making a big push. Um, unfortunately no one was coming back to her, um, but she was, was making a big push and she actually was in fifth for a while and finished fourth, uh, in the last mile or so I want to say, um, but what a crazy race. I think what's so interesting about our predictions and maybe this is different (laughs) than when we were a little bit younger and maybe a little bit more in tune with the elite fields. Um, you know, we're just guessing based on you know, who we know is really talented, you know, who we know has had race experience um, at a really high level. You know, you think about Des, who's a, a medalist um, in a world major, Bali's a medalist in a world major, but but we're not really that in tune with people's right. current fitness. You're right. You know, I think, especially after that interview we did with Parker Stinson, where we're like, okay, this guy is an absolute favorite going in, and then we're like, how's your running going? And he's like, I'm actually hurt. Right. Um, so, you know, there's just so many backstories that that we missed and know. even charlie ban uh editor of run washington was like i have no idea i've just been covering all the local <laughs> um right. all of our local stars so um we, you know we kind of went in blind i had heard alphine was in unbelievable shape um maybe we should have listened to some I of know. those elite interviews yeah, yeah we're just you know yeah we try to act like we really know what's going on in yeah the world, and we, we don't we, we don't, have but. no idea <laughs> uh, clearly because our predictions were well I, I will say that we uh, chalk was on the men's side and and as in the overall champion galen rupp i uh, ran 209.20 he was your champion jacob riley stanford grad he runs for boulder track club uh barely even sponsored he was your second place finisher at 210.02 and then right behind him uh this guy is is uh we think that you and i are washed up well he's he's about my age and he's older than you abdi abdurrahman who was the, the third place and is this his fourth Olympic team? Fifth Olympic, Olympic team. team. Yeah, it was so funny because uh, you know the they they pan the camera to the men's start, and I'm like, oh my gosh, is that Abdi? Yeah, wow, is he look at him the out race? there. Yeah. You know, and then <laughs> two hours later, he's crossing the finish line in yeah. third. So incredible yeah. career, absolutely yeah. incredible. So really, really fun. And yeah, so my experience you asked about uh, being there at the finish line in Centennial Park was amazing. Uh, the Atlanta Track Club just did a fantastic job, and uh, put on uh, a world-class race um, and they had a uh, you know they had a race the next day too uh, they did the public's marathon the next day I just you know being in the events business as we are um, it's incredible what they what they were able to accomplish well similar to 2007 trials though too because in New York City they held the right. men's trials that's when the men's and women's trials were two separate races that year the men were in 
New York and the women were, were a few Boston. months later at Boston mm-hmm. yep. and was was the women's race in Boston was tied with the, with the Boston Marathon yep, too that's wasn't right. it I think the women's race was Sunday yeah so I think that's a thing now that they're starting to do and I, I just don't know how these, these these places put it on yeah that's a question we should definitely ask Rich on the interview alright well let's bring him in um, excited to be joined really honored and excited to be joined by the executive director of the Atlanta Track Club he just put on the race of his life and he's had a lot of races that are pretty important and impactful Rich Kanai, Executive Director of the Atlanta Track Club, joins us next here on Pace the Nation. All right, welcome back to the program. And now, Julie, excited to be joined by the Executive Director of the Atlanta Track Club. He joins us on the phone from Atlanta. It's Rich Kanai. Rich, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good, man. Are you recovering? So we were sitting here Friday, March 6th. You just put on uh, probably the biggest weekend of races of your life, I would imagine. How are you recovering? Well, much like the marathoners who ran in the races, I'm I'm, tr- I'm moving very slow this week, <laughs> but, uh, but, but we're doing well. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, congratulations on uh, such big success. You put on the Olympic trials. Uh, you also put on the Publix Marathon, Half Marathon, 5K. There was a kids run. I mean, just... What a whole uh, incredibly busy weekend for you. So you're the race director for all these events, is that correct? Correct. So I'm the executive director at Atlanta Track Club, and we had project managers uh, who, who led the effort on, mm-hmm. on both of these uh, events. Um, thankfully, we've got some great staff here to, to, to lead us in these different areas. But um, I, I was re- sleeves rolled up. Uh, heavily involved in 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 leading both uh, both events in the entire weekend, and very proud that um, that I was able to to be part of this team. Yeah, man, and it wasn't uh, just you know this 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 was a process uh, that was years in the making. I'm talking about the Olympic trials. Um, take us back. How do you how do you get the bid to host these Olympic trials? How does that process work? So our governing body, USA Track and Field, uh, USA Track and Field puts out an RFP, uh, and we reviewed that RFP re- request for a proposal mm-hmm. uh, about 15 months ago. Uh, and from there, you, you decide whether you want to, and we obviously we did submit a proposal to USA Track and Field uh, on, on how you see or how you can bring uh, the event to life in your city. And we presented that back to USA Track and Field and the United States Olympic, Olympic Committee. We were one of four bid cities. Uh, do you know the other? Do you know the other cities that were uh, contending? Yeah, we do now. At the yeah. time, as we were you building didn't. the bid, okay. we did not. But it, but it was uh, it was Chattanooga, okay, Austin, Orlando, and Atlanta. Wow, some some big big time competition. Nice. Okay. Yeah, and each city had has its own sort of distinctive person personality mm-hmm. and you know, presumably competitive advantage and and we leaned into atlanta being a, an olympic legacy city uh and uh and we built the, the really the, the entire bid around that olympic legacy olympic future this was one of the biggest races that the uh, olympic trials has has ever seen um as you're sort of uh, preparing for this race i mean i remember back in 2000 you know there's 70 men 70 women um, could you see the fact that it's going to be the biggest? You had over probably 700 participants, and what sort of challenges that present you with? So when we bid, we had no idea we would have 700 athletes. <laughs> I'm not sure we would have structured the bid exactly as right. we had it. 
Um, but thankfully, we were able to to scale up our operation to accommodate everyone. Um, the, the the challenges that you have with with that many athletes are, are many, mm-hmm. uh, but those challenges were multiplied by the nature of our bid. So we wanted to make sure that in in this championship style race that yep. every athlete was treated the same so so whether you were what what is called the a qualifier versus the b qualifier that, that you received the same level of service so that when you got to the start line uh you could say that you had an an, an equal chance to 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 make that team uh, or the same chance that, that everybody else. So that was had. your so, decision in the Atlanta track club because there's usually an A standard and a B standard and there's different sort of, you know, you, you get different things if you're at uh, different levels. So that was your decision. Correct. Wow. Historically, a, awesome. you know, a, a level athletes receive sort of, you know, red carpet treatment and right. B level right. athletes say, Hey, uh, we'll see you at the start line. And, and, <laughs> right. Get to here however think, you can. And, yeah, exactly. And if you really want to have a championship-style competition, I just don't think that's the way you should go. Or at least that's that's was our position. Yeah. So we built the entire uh, the entire weekend around treating everybody the same. And and one of the many elements of that is the fluids program. Oh, so we were we just going to ask about that. Uh, how did you manage? Yeah, I think great. everybody wants to know how you manage seven hundred times what four or five bottles out on the course. Right. How how did you so, guys yeah, manage that? Six. Wow. Uh, very carefully. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I keep referencing our staff, but the the staffer who led that uh, is a woman named Karen Lampier, and actually her her normal uh, role job here is our is one of our volunteer coordinators. Um, but she's got an engineering mind. She went to Stanford as an engineer, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and 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 took the entire fluid operation plan. Uh, and and turned it into something that she could scale to to 700 people. Um, so uh, just picture this: you you take six bottles uh, from everyone the day before, mm-hmm. uh, and of their own special you, fluids or whatever they like to drink on the marathon course, right? Correct. So so they hand you six bottles, and okay. it's not just six generic bottles. They they want this bottle at this time, this oh bottle at this mile mark, and so forth and so on. And they and then it was our job to to take possession of that uh, to create a chain of custody so that we knew that uh, that bottle would be well taken care of. And then to and then we had to put that bottle on a particular table, uh, in a particular place on a table, uh, in a particular mile on the course. So we collected between three and four thousand bottles. Uh, and then put those back out there on the course for the 700 athletes wow. uh, to reclaim when they needed. There's no way you guys slept the day before the marathon. No chance. <laughs> uh, well, it's a, the, the devil's in the details, right? It was yeah. all about a, a good plan and executing it. And and we knew the biggest challenge would be that first personal hydration station right. because everyone is still so Grouped densely up. packed yep. together at the two-mile mark. Yeah. Rich, did um, did the wind play a factor at all? Because we were there, and there were some streets where, like, you know, you felt like you were going to get blown over just because of the all way right. the buildings were structured. There'd be like, you know, little wind tunnels. Uh, you know, obviously that played a huge role in, um, you know, the actual performance that day. Um, but did it play a role with the bottles at all? Like, I imagine the that the tables blown over. Yeah. yeah was, were there any types of issues as far as logistics go that the wind became a factor with? Yes. The short answer is yes. So, 
So Karen and her team uh, back in the fall devised uh, some some contingency plans around wind and severe weather. That's incredible. Um, so so there's a, it's, it's funny if you actually could probably find it on Twitter. There was a day where we had these massive uh thunderstorms uh, blow through with with wind and she had these tables lined up outside of her house <laughs> with bottles uh different kinds of bottles and different kinds of tablecloths um to 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 measure sort of the how the wind would in, would impact sort of our table setup so she she used pieces of tape uh on a tablecloth uh underneath the bottles so that when the wind came, there was not enough wind to necessarily knock over the bottle. Uh-huh. Uh, but when you're coming in at five or six minute pace, you've, you've got enough inertia to be able to grab that bottle uh, without it being stuck to the table. Impressive. I'll tell you, we've we've num- we've interviewed a number of athletes uh, who were who competed uh, last week, and their biggest concern or their biggest uh, uh, bit of anxiety going in was the bottles. So, Karen. Props. Well, well done. Yeah. We, I mean, she gets the gold. She yeah. definitely does. We put on road races up here. So, yeah. you know, we're dealing with inclement weather, especially in the summertime when you've got crazy, you, you remember DC can have some crazy wild thunderstorms yeah. in the summertime. So that is incredible. It sounds but, like she's the type of person you want on your team. Literally, luxury. we have the luxury. We put on these road races. We have the luxury when it's a really windy day, we say, and we tell the, the runners beforehand that there might not be bottles or water on the course and that could be a factor. So they know to bring their own water bottles. So they've got, you know, their belts and all that stuff. That's not an option for you guys. <laughs> no, it was not. <laughs> no. Um, so the course, so you, you, we, we kind of reference it's a criterion course. So the way the Olympic trials are, so it was awesome to, as a spectator, just watch, you can see them a number of t- the athletes, a number of times. So three, four loops, how many loops was it? Three loops. Three loops. Uh, so, so it's a, it's an eight mile loop, but on the last loop, there's a uh, there's a two mile addition onto okay. it. Got it. Um, and and how did you? And, and and it was a hilly course. It was a challenging ish course. Would you would you say that's fair? And how did you pick that course? Yeah, I'd say I'd say it was certainly a challenging course, mm-hmm. and we we coined this term Atlanta flat. Um, <laughs> Atlanta is probably not that much different from from the DC. DC I mean, yeah. DC has got some hills. Um, we, you, be, if you live in Atlanta, you become accustomed to to running on hills, um, and probably more so than than most areas of the country. Mm-hmm. So we tried to create a course that was as flat as you could find in Atlanta, uh, in Criterion style, uh, and a course that touched on the different neighborhoods and personalities that make up Atlanta. So, cool. it, so it, w- it was considered the athlete, the athlete needs were, were first and foremost, uh, but then spectator television and just overall community experience were also factored in. Mm-hmm. And to, to those athletes who say, Hey, that was crazy hilly. I would say it was hilly, but that's as flat as you're going to get in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, and it was also built to, you know, uh, I think, or maybe this was on the back end after you'd already been awarded the bid, but they talked about this course being very similar to the type of terrain that you would see in Tokyo. Right. But then they ended up changing the course, right, to now the, what city is it moved now to uh, for the games? Sapporo. Yeah, yeah so it's moved Sapporo. to Sapporo, which is super flat. 
Um, so you obviously can't change that. Um, but a lot of people were saying that this was going to be a fabulous uh, prep for that Tokyo course. Was was there any thought of that? Um, at, you know, when you guys were you know building it when out. When we first designed it, yes. Hmm. Uh, but in general, our philosophy was uh, we want to make you earn your spot on the team. Love it. Uh, and, uh, and, a, and a time trial type course. And there are some great courses out there uh, that, that are designed for, for runners, for athletes to, to run fast. That wasn't what we were, were working toward here. We wanted, we, we wanted this to be a true racer's course. Uh, you wanted to celebrate also the Olympic legacy of the uh, 96 Olympic marathon. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so so we're an Olympic city in 1996 uh, was was a special time for the city of Atlanta, mm-hmm. and so much of Atlanta's growth today continues to be fueled um, by having and hosting the games here. Uh, but we recognize that hey, we're we're more than two decades later, and so we wanted to reignite uh, that Olympic fever from from '96 and. And, and I think we successfully did so for, for a new generation. Uh, and we even had some fun with it by uh, relighting the Olympic yep. cauldron right, right as the trials marathon started for the first time since 1996. So for all the kids out there, and we had thousands of, of high school um, track and field athletes out there, I think they have a new appreciation and an understanding uh, of what the Olympic movement is all about. Yeah, we saw a ton of kids out on the Absolutely. course that morning, and that was something that was really inspiring to me because connecting with high school kids when it comes to marathoning is it's tough. That's really that's a tough community to reach because um, they don't necessarily think of their track and field cross country sport as being the same as the road racing community. Did you guys, you know, how did you advertise for the event? You know, what was it that you guys did that really started to touch all ages? And, um, and, and did your things? high school, you've got high school twins. Did your high schoolers care? Uh, they were forced to care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we have a lot of fun with that inside yeah. our house, but uh, we, we approached and take a half a step back for a second. Atlanta Track Club was formed in 1964 around yeah. high school track and field huh. and cross country. So we were not formed around the Peachtree. That that certainly fueled our growth. So we have a, a long history of being active in, in, in the high school running community. Uh, so part of the planning process uh, in the very beginning was to engage uh, with the, the high school and the, and the club running community here. And, and uh, we partnered with uh, some of the leading high school coaches who created a high school meet called the Atlanta Relays on Friday night mm. uh, with the understanding that the 40 teams that competed in that, uh, that meet were, were going to come, out, uh, come back on Saturday and cheer on uh, the Olympic hopefuls as, as they took to the streets of Atlanta. Uh, and so you, you know, we, there was a big leap of faith there that, that those coaches and those kids and their families would would really sort of want to engage and we've heard a ton of feedback this week uh from the high school coaches and the kids and their families that said you know we were admittedly a little bit skeptical and the logistics of of dealing with road closures and getting our our 100 150 kids in our track team out to the course 
um, it, that, that didn't excite us. Um, but this was way more exciting, way more interesting, way more inspiring than we ever thought it would be. So we feel very good about the, you know, the, the new legacy that we've created for the Olympic movement in Atlanta. Yeah, we, we, see, we saw kids with cowbells and with posters and families. And uh, I was just really touched by that because, um, you know, getting the, a younger generation really excited about uh, these athletes is that's just so powerful. So what a fabulous job of, of creating an event that brought so many people together. Yeah, and, and the athletes certainly didn't disappoint. They, they inspired uh, the top three uh, wasn't the top three on either side that I had picked. Um, except, for, well, except for Galen. Except I think everyone yeah. had Galen uh, in there and everything well, else was a surprise. I, I, can you comment on, on the, 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 the kids who or the, the, the athletes who made the, the Olympic team? Well, also, before you do that, was Abdi on the team with you? I mean, he, this is his fifth <laughs> Olympics, so he's starting to... Yes, he's, he was. He's bridging all these, all these generations true. here. That's bizarre. That. So yeah, I, if, if if I laced up my spikes and went to the track and, and had a tailwind for for a full mile, I might be able to break six minutes. And he just he just, he just ran a marathon at five minute pace. Yeah. So, uh, That's um, incredible. So, so yes, he he was he was on the on the team Two, with me. Two thousand team. Wow. Yeah, uh, uh, how great an athlete uh, he he continues to be. Uh, I, you know, we were asked, our staff was asked, I was asked a bunch heading in, you know, who are your favorites? Who do you think? And we, we obviously chose not to, to weigh in sure. on that because we, you know, we want to be objective. Yep. Um, but certainly I have a warm spot in my heart for, for some of the veterans. And so it, it was good to see, uh, someone like Abdi, uh, show, show this next generation that he's not quite done yet. <laughs> that was um, amazing. But, but also great to see, uh, what what will likely be our next generation uh, uh, marathoners on on both the men and the women's side? Yeah, yeah. Seeing Molly Seidel, I think she's what twenty five years yeah. old. Um, Allison, Sally, yeah, all. The, yeah, yeah, I mean, you've got some some really um, young younger athletes that are in the mix, and I don't know if you heard this stat, but John Green of Georgetown was advising Molly Seidel uh, the last couple of months with her training. So we've got some Georgetown connections with this new Olympic team. I had no idea going in, but I had read that this yeah. week. So it, <laughs> it's it, bizarre. It a smile to my face to, to, to see a, a, a Hoya connection there. Yeah, wow. and, and Mike Smith um, coaching yep. Galen now. So um, we've got a lot, of, a lot of Georgetown connection. Uh, very, very cool. Yeah, uh, so so Rich, more on the Atlanta Track Club. You put on the uh, Publix. Uh, so your day wasn't done after the Saturday Olympic trials. A lot of people didn't realize that, but uh, – the Publix uh, Marathon, Half Marathon, 5K, Kids Run. You had over 11,000 finishers in that race, too. I, I mean, uh, to, to talk about just the stress on your on your team to put two back-to-back marathons. I just wanted to talk about that real quick again. Sure. So we recognize that, that it's, it's the, the economics of putting on a big city marathon um, for just trials athletes is is just doesn't work so yeah. we packaged it with our public atlanta marathon uh you know which is a called a 15 year old event mm-hmm. uh that we want to grow into a more regional national destination event so that's why we did these on back-to-back days hmm. uh and and we learned a ton we put on the world's largest 10k 
on July 4th. Yep. Um, but peach the, tree. But yep. uh, compared to compared to this weekend of, of putting on the trials on one course and then putting on the the Publix Atlanta Marathon half marathon 5K the next day on a totally different course uh, was was challenging to say the least. Something mm. that I don't necessarily want to do again tomorrow. <laughs> right. um, but uh, but could only be done um, by by some of the great staff that we hear of Atlanta Track Club and what I consider to be the best volunteers that any city could ever mm. have. Yep. Uh, the volunteer community, we had more than 4,000 volunteers wow. across the weekend. Uh, and quite literally, we could not do it. Atlanta Track Club would not exist without our volunteer base. That's incredible. Rich, um, we've talked a lot about the good things, all the great things that happened. Was there anything that you guys didn't plan for? Was there anything that popped up or anything that you've been reviewing with your team where you're like, uh, grade myself a B I'm on sh- that one? I'm sure there's a long list of <laughs> things that come up. <laughs> as, as event organizers yourself, yep. I'm sure you're familiar, there's oh, never yeah. been a perfect event. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. So we, we've already begun our after-action discussions, but... Uh, interestingly, there, there's been nothing that we've discussed that said, "Hey, listen, hey, that was a a total miss." Yeah. Um, there were there were some some things that we would do a little bit differently, um, but overall, I think our planning was sound, uh, and we look forward to to using um, this weekend as a sort of a foundational moment for the continued growth of Publix Atlanta Marathon in the future. I, I just real quick on the on the marathon. This just stood out to me. Your 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 marathon's seventy dollars. Do you know what the other marathons out there cost uh, for like a world class event? Uh, it, why why so? Yeah, you're affordable? making us look bad. I Rich. know. <laughs> we put on like seventy dollar five Ks. I, I I mean <laughs> I mean seriously, that is super affordable. I. I, I Feel free to let the world know how, yeah, how, know. how the, the value of our events. So we are a nonprofit, okay. uh, and, and our focus is to try to provide programming to anyone and everyone who okay. wants to be involved. So we think the, the sport should be universally accessible. Um, so we try to deliver a world-class experience uh, at, at a price point uh, that everybody uh, can, can manage. That's awesome. Well, it's. Uh, I want to talk a little about your running before we let you go, but uh, about your your the history of your running real quick before we let you go. But it's AtlantaTrackClub.org. Uh, it's a 55 year old club. You've got over 34,000 members. There's stuff going on. So if you're in Atlanta, just check out AtlantaTrackClub.org. If, I know a few listeners uh, we met there, uh, and, and and they're involved in a lot of your your events. Uh, Atlanta really is running city USA, and I think you've done a great job to brand it that. Well, and you also have and a building. I, and I would now. add, if you don't mind, yeah, we yeah. have our we have our AJC Peachtree Road Race on July fourth. Yeah, absolutely, uh, which is our flagship event. Over sixty thousand people. Yep. Correct, yeah. and the registration, the lottery registration for that opens up on March fifteenth. So awesome. for, oh, good for any folks in yeah. DC who, who are looking for 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 a race in a city that's almost as hot as they is that <laughs> uh, July fourth is your place. Yeah. That's awesome. Rich, you got you also have a, a home now, right? You guys built a building or you um, bought a building for the club? Yeah, when about five years ago we we recognized that we wanted to be a destination uh, outside of our events. So, so we married up our warehouse space with our with our office space, uh, with a, a 50 meter indoor straightaway as well as uh, an outdoor 
um, parking lot that accommodates two to three hundred people each weekend for our marathon and half marathon and five k training programs. So, wow. so wow. It, we, you know, it, it's it's a clubhouse for our thirty four thousand members. Very cool. All right. Well, Rich, uh, got it. Before we let you go, got I mean, people I know, don't we have know too many you, questions. People don't know that you actually were a uh, you know world class athlete yourself. Uh, Ninety seven, you bronze medalist in both indoor and outdoor world games. Two thousand Olympian. 143, 800 meters, uh, Georgetown uh, Hall of Fame uh, runner. Um, so you spent a lot of time. How many years were you in D.C.? And was most of your training when you were in D.C., most of your professional running in D.C.? Yes. As a matter of fact, all huh. of it was. All of so, it. Wow. So I, I arrived in D.C. in 88 as a freshman at Georgetown yeah. uh, and still and lived in Reston um, until 2003, and I had retired in 2001. So um, you know, DC is 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 just uh, will always have a, a warm place in, in in my heart when when it comes to to running. The the number of miles that right. I spent on the on the towpath and the W O and D and and the mall um, I, uh, are are many. Yeah, and and um, you uh, again were the world uh, bronze medalist in 1997, which is just incredible. Would you say that's the, the highlight of your career, making the Olympic team, what would you say was the highlight of your running career? Great question. It, as as cliche as this might sound, mm-hmm. the the highlight really was the journey and the, the, mm-hmm. the experiences that I've, the collective experiences that I've had. If I never, if I didn't make the Olympic team, um, I, I still wouldn't have changed any of the decisions that I made in terms of the you know, almost 10-year commitment after college to try to chase the Olympic team. The relationships that, that, that I've formed uh, and the, the places that I've, I've gone and the career that I have and, um, and the family um, that, that I thankfully have are all yeah. as a result of, of running. Of, my, my my life and running met my oh. wife at a track right. meet. Yep. Sherry, Sherry yep. Goddard at the time she uh, ran at Villanova yep. and came down and trained in DC. Um, so 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 really the the highlight for me is the journey. It's awesome. Um, all right. Well, finally we're gonna get you out of here. Are you running much yourself now? What's what's going on? I, actually, I gotta t- say this story because in two thousand one, Rich ran uh, the New York City Marathon. I ran in the same marathon, and we were. I remember him passing me at mile twenty. And we ran the same time um, at mile 20, and you were about 15 minutes faster than me. I pretty much walked it in. But so you, had, so you, had, you did run a marathon in 2001. Any other marathons on your resume? Uh, or, and how much are you running now? Uh, that's a great question. I'll, I'll, I'll answer the second question mm-hmm. first. But the, uh, I don't run as much as I'd like, and mm-hmm. you guys probably understand this as yeah. good as anybody. <laughs> you know, one of the occupational hazards of, of, of working in the running community is you don't get a chance to run as much very true um, but i run three or four days a week uh called you know, 20 miles a week something nice. like that um still still get out there i i haven't learned to just jog so i i try to run shorter and faster i like i can i can still break 20 minutes for a 5k uh, nice. <laughs> and, and i turned 50 this year so I'm, okay i'd like to break five minutes in the mile wow uh, that's my my big goal for okay in terms of a another marathon uh I I have not completed another marathon, but a quick funny story. Uh, last year, uh, Children's Hospital of Atlanta 
uh, was doing a fundraising at SunTrust, a fundraiser at SunTrust Park. So that's a, the, the home stadium for the Braves. Uh, and the, you could run a marathon on the field, so on the warning tracks. It was 122 times around. A lot of laps. <laughs> and the field. You're used to two laps. This is a lot of laps. <laughs> yes, that's right. I, so I, I, you know, I, I wanted to. Yeah, I thought that it would be something that I that I could attempt and and do some some good for the community and for Children's Hospital. So I did not respect the distance as much as I should in terms of planning, mm-hmm. and did everything that you should not do when you race a marathon when you're undertrained. Uh, the, it started at five o'clock in the afternoon on a hot September day. I think Ooh. it was like 85 degrees with 100% humidity, and I crashed and burned at 22 miles with some with some some heat illness. So oh I gosh. need to redeem myself at some point. I hope to complete a second where, marathon. Where was Karen with all those water bottles at 22 for you? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> it's her fault. Her fault. Um, well, man, thank you so much. For the time, uh, congratulations on on, on such a, a wonderful, awesome accomplishment! A great weekend. Um, it's been fun to catch up. Really, thanks so much. Thanks, thanks for thanks for having me, yeah. and thanks for all that you do in the running community. Absol- absolutely, we're going to get our listeners uh, down to Atlanta. That's Rich Kana. He is an Olympian. He is a bronze world medalist. Uh, he's also the ex- executive director of Atlanta Track Club. He joined us on Pace the Nation. We're going to take a quick break and be right back after this. All right, welcome back to the program, and thanks again to the executive director of the Atlanta Track Club, Rich Kana, for joining us today on Pace the Nation. Um, you can go to atlantatrackclub.org and find out all the information about everything that's happening running-wise in Atlanta. And actually, if you go to the website, atlantatrackclub.org, as we uh, record here Friday, March 6th, it says the Atlanta Track Club offices will be closed Friday, March 6th through Monday, March 9th, but Rich was nice enough to join us today. Um, they deserve a, uh, a weekend off. Um, so, Rich, uh, a lot of connections. Uh, he's got the New Jersey connection. He's from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's the only connection that matters. He's fine. Georgetown. Oh, that one too. Yeah, Georgetown. And then, uh, you know, he's in the running space. So, um, great to have Rich. Hopefully, um, we can uh, do something in the future with him, with his races, uh, with, with some of his events. Uh, would love to coordinate. And we've got some listeners, some key Pace the Nation listeners that live in Atlanta. So we've got to do something there again soon. You know, what I love about Rich's story is that he is a runner from like his childhood onwards. Right. And all of his experiences shape his ability to execute with his team in Atlanta this incredible event. So, you know, you think about his start in youth, uh, you know, him him first getting started and running, um, his high school experience, his collegiate experience, his post-collegiate experience, his Olympic experience, then, you know, kind of changing his career over to being an agent, working in events. Uh, You know, he used to work on, like, um, the Adidas Diamond League meet, which was in New York City. Um, He would do, you know, elite stuff in Boston. He talked about working with the Boston Marathon. So all of these experiences then shape his being hired by the Atlantic Track Club and then, you know, kind of bringing all those pieces together to bidding for the Olympic trials and then essentially putting on the greatest, 
you know, Olympic trials that we've that we've yep, really ever seen. seen from a fan perspective, um, from participant, participant, yeah, I mean, yeah the energy, yep. um, you know. And I want to go back. I want to refer really quickly back to um, one of our previous episodes when we were kind of debating how big the marathon field should be, <laughs> um, yeah. because I think we all saw, you know, being down there firsthand, how that energy was so different because there were so many people there. Mm-hmm. You think about somebody who's like the 300th qualifier for the for the trials and the amount of family that they bring there, the amount oh, of crazy. friends that they bring it's there. True. So it adds so much to the energy of the weekend. I still think that that, that we have to find a kind of happy medium with the numbers because so I do think... So you don't do love think, Dan 10,000 people? Well, I think there, there may be a different way of doing it, but at least for the start of this, the, the start was fairly narrow. There were some people who went down. Mm-hmm. Um, we did see a lot of, uh, you know, not not a lot, but we did see some bloody runners. We, I, you know, heard some stories about some people who just got tripped because there were so many um, individuals out there. So I think there's a happy medium there, and and maybe that's pretty typical for the start of a marathon, just generally. Um, but I, I think there's a happy medium with the number of people there. But I really, truly believe, having had experienced that this past weekend, that that it was a major piece of what contributed to the energy, the excitement, the enthusiasm, and what made it such a celebration of running. Yeah, and, and, and Rich's goal has been stated, and I read somewhere or maybe heard him on another podcast, he wants to impact the health and wellness of runners and walkers of all levels. So from, you know, Galen and... Alafine, who who won, to uh, you know the the kid participating in the uh, the kids dash on the next day, so um, yeah, really powerful stuff. Awesome, awesome time in Atlanta. Uh, can't wait to head back there. All right, I want to talk about our uh, our our runners and and how they did in the race um, that that have been on pace the nation because since they've been on pace the nation, we've got to you know acknowledge what they did out there. I think. That's only fair to them. But before we do that, um, I had an incident while you were um, while you were gone. Uh-oh. I, it, it was it was a week before I've been a week before we were in Atlanta. I think you were gone at a meet, um, and uh, you know a lot of weekends Julie is traveling and I'm um, on dad duty. Um, which is great. Love it. You're uh, not on dad duty during other times, just when I'm traveling. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> is that the moral of the story? Yeah, I've got my feet up the rest of the time. But <laughs> so um, there was a, a good friend of, of ours, of mine from college, was was having a get together. And, you know, I've blown him off a number of times, him and his wife, a number of times. Um, and I was like, I got to make an appearance at least to this event. You know, I'll go early. The event started at five o'clock. It was at his house, um, a potluck type dinner. I think potluck you bring food and everybody contributes. Yep, that's a potluck. I came empty-handed, uh, but it was uh, no. Very, you didn't come empty-handed. No, okay. You came with our children yeah. who weren't invited. Yes, it was very clear from the invite that no kids were invited. Yeah. So I fi- figured, you know. So you figured I'll show up with no food and all my kids. <laughs> so I bring our two kids. I was just gonna say hi. And not even not even stop for a beer, but just say hi and say, uh, you know, sorry we couldn't make it because I felt like that, you know, actions speak louder than words in my yeah. opinion. So okay. it's, you know, just showing up and, and mm-hmm. saying hi and connecting would have been nice. Yeah. So we show up there and, and Wendy, it's Wendy and Mike, and Wendy was super nice. Hey, come on in, grab a beer. We'll, um, you know, just catch up for 10 minutes while... Um, you know, while your kids play with uh, some of some of my kids' toys, their kids were, were not there. 
Um, a lot of other people there, people were looking at me kind of sideways, like, why is, who's the guy here with the kids? No one brought kids. Um, but uh, so I said, okay, I'll walk in. Literally not 10 steps into the house. I'm holding, uh, holding uh, Paul's hand, or I'm actually holding, and James is walking in front of me. James upchucks everything that, oh he, <laughs> that he had eaten the entire day. And it wouldn't stop. Oh it was like You're the gift on that keeps and on, giving. on and on. And, and fortunately, it wasn't on carpet or anything like that. It was on their um, mm. hardwood floors, which I, I, I What hope. room was it in? It was kind of in their living room area. We just walked out of the kitchen. It would have been nicer if it was in, in the kitchen. Well, but maybe not because <laughs> people are trying to serve themselves food in there. So um, Wendy is, is you know hosting a party um, and... You know, has a, a, a very busy slate, uh, very busy plate here, uh, hosting the party, food, and now she's got this kid who wasn't invited, um, hurling all over her uh, hardwood floors. Well, not only was the, is the kid never going to be invited to their house ever again, but I think the parents are probably never going to be invited <laughs> I, to the house ever again. So I'm probably true. Um, uh, so if you're listening, Mike and Wendy, again, I apologize. I've uh, you know apologized a number of times, uh, but. Uh, not not only am, are they not invited, but we are just totally in the way. And and w- Wendy's you know mortified, uh, n- n- reasonably so. Um, and, and she's calling for Mike, and Mike's like, okay, yeah, hey, I'm 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 doing something. I'll be right there. Um, so Mike comes and is shocked, obviously, <laughs> by all the upchuck on his floor. <laughs> and um, Wendy's like, hey, get get towels and clothes, and so. Ultimately, we get towels, cleaning supplies. Um, you know, all the other the guests are very nice um, and understanding, at least to my face. I don't know what they were saying to me after I left the party, but uh, we clean it all up. Mike's like, all three of you get in our our, our shower. So the three of three boys, all 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 three Farley boys in the shower. Mike's like coming in with clothes for all of us. He only has like because he's got girls, so he's only got girls. Uh, young girls clothes so james is is actually really enjoying it and oh yeah and, and they're was, going for it wasn't like a, sick. Spr- a sprinkler party <laughs> i know he wasn't feeling sick it was just a big throw up and um you know so we all shower and um leave and leave a bag of uh of throw up uh covered clothes behind and walk out of there with his clothes so um yeah, that it's was just a, a really early part of the evening to be dealing with throw up. You yeah. know, it's reminiscent of a college party or <laughs> right. something. Like maybe that's like the right. three a.m. you know segment of the party, but yeah. not the not the five p.m. segment. No. So I just had to get that off my chest. It was kind of therapeutic. Um, thanks, Mike and Wendy. Apologize. And um, that's what this podcast is for. Yeah, it's, it's for getting for stuff me. off our chest <laughs> so that we feel like we don't I, have to go hire someone to uh, <laughs> counsel charge. us. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I, 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 I didn't know. What and it's I was also gonna... your way of telling me things <laughs> yeah. that I didn't know. I didn't know whether I was going to tell you that or not. Yeah. But I did. I did tell you because I didn't want to like burden you with. Um, you know, is James sick or not sick? But um, you know, the whole the virus is going around is the hot topic of everything. But he seemed to be fine afterwards. So and Mike was like texting me after. Was like, did the whole family get it? Was it all like everybody throwing up in the house? And I was like, no, everybody was pretty much. It's fine. very nice of him to care. Yeah, he did. He genuinely cared. It'll go go a long way with all the other quality stories you have. <laughs> I know with him. Yeah. With him. yeah, he's probably loving this story. All right, this podcast, of course, is sponsored by Pacers Running. Pacers Running with six area DC locations. Pacers Running is for every run. 
Uh, we've got a number of races that you can sign up for. At this point, you can still sign up for uh, the series of St. Paddy's Day races uh, that we're putting on, the Four Courts Four Miler, the St. Paddy's Day 5K, 10K. It's a weekend of events uh, that you won't want to miss. It's next weekend now as this podcast drops. Uh, so sign up for that, runpacers.com backslash races. All right, Julie, finally, I wanted to cover uh, the list of, of runners we've had on the podcast. Um, and um, Oh, and you did episodes this we time. We did episodes that they were on and uh, we uh, and their results. And, and, and so for those who uh, dropped out, uh, this isn't a slight. I just want to give accurate results. We won't of, say your names. Uh, no, I want, I want to acknowledge and, and congratulate them. Um, on competing in the Olympic trials and, and where they finished and or, or if they finished, uh, it was a, I mean it was a windy day as we've covered and so dropping yeah, it out was tough I, conditions. You know, there was, were a lot of people that dropped out. And, and when you're doing this Criterion course and you see the, the people like in your hotel probably like three times, like that's really hard. Oh to not yeah, drop I out. talked to a coach uh, the day after and he told me his two athletes. He told them exactly where to stop on the course if they weren't <laughs> getting it, and yeah. that was at their hotel. Yes, because it swung by their hotel and to not try to get themselves to the finish if they were you know falling apart at that point. So that's where they did. They stepped off at that part of the course. Well, all right. So I'm going to acknowledge this first guest from episode 52. His wife actually ran. So uh, Michael Nestal, episode 52. Uh, his wife, Mara Nestal, ran a PR at 244.13, 108th place. So way to go, Mara. Uh, Ashley Higginson from episode 54. I, I can't find results for her. So she, I, I see her up to 18 miles, although I saw her that night and I thought she finished. But uh, uh, sorry, Ashley, if I'm not accurate. Uh, congratulations on your third Olympic trials and your first uh, marathon trials. Uh, she was episode 54. I believe she dropped out. Diego Estrada, uh, uh, he was an ASICS uh, guest from episode 80. He dropped out at mile 16. Kieran O'Connor, he's been on episode 42 uh, and episode 140, uh, 126 as well. Uh, 86th place. Uh, he was top 25 in L.A. and 86th place this time. He ran 223.57. Uh, Jessica McGuire, she qualified, did not run episode uh, 133. Sarah Bishop, episode 145, she was 332nd place at 257.25. Kira Diamato, uh, one of the stories of the trials, uh, episode 150, uh, Doc's prediction to be top four or three, I'm not sure. Um, he, Doc's had a, a, a woman in the men's top three, so uh, who knows about, <laughs> I but don't Kira, know about the validity but, of that episode. But, yeah, but Kira, Kira Diamato, uh, episode 150. 15th place, 234.24. Woo! Uh, Sarah Sellers, uh, runner up of the Boston Marathon, episode 152. She was 11th place, awesome race by Sarah in 231.48. Ann Mazar, episode 158, runners love yoga, uh, 251.53, 260th place. Des Linden, uh, another amazing performance by her, uh, just off the podium. She was episode 176, 229, fourth place. Um, awesome race by her. Uh, another awesome race, uh, Bethany, Bethany Sacklaben. Um, I was texting back and her forth with her and congratulating her. Uh, she had a pit stop and she was still 18th place in 236.34. She was one, episode 183. Uh, Katie Kellner, uh, we had a couple of our, our loyal listeners who were there to see her run, who were coached by her. Uh, Katie Kellner, episode 188. She was 57th place in 241.42. Uh, Jared Ward, one four, uh, episode 194. He was uh, 27th place. Uh, he's an Olympian from 2016. Uh, 57th place. Uh, I'm sorry, 27th place this time in 215.55. 
Molly Huddle, a couple of episodes, episode 29 and episode 202. I believe that's who you said was told to drop out when you're she's at her yeah, hotel room. Yeah, <laughs> so, her coach. So, both so, she and so Emily Sisson. Yeah, so yeah, we haven't heard the last tough, from both tough, of them, but Molly there. Huddle dropped out at 21 miles. Um, uh, she's going to be a contender and a, and a real difference maker on the track uh, this uh, this spring and summer. The comedian Brittany Charbonneau, um, uh, former uh, winner of the uh, Marine Corps Marathon, awesome race. She was episode 214, amazing uh, race. Uh, she ran 233.14. She was 13th place, so fantastic. Uh, really uh, surprising to some, um, but uh, not to the Pace of Nation uh, crowd who knew she was going to be a star. Uh, she was uh, 13th place. Parker Stinson, episode 218, did not run. Uh, and then finally, Adam Delton uh, from our last episode, 225, uh, 145th place and 231.18. Looking fly and what was he? Hella fly. Hella, and hella f- uh, he he looks sharp fast, out there. Something fresh. Fresh, <laughs> and fresh, yes. fresh, fresh and fast. Fresh That's and what fast. I got from he it. looked awesome. So um, and a huge improvement for him, right? Because yeah. he was one of the slowest time well, he qualifiers. Well, yeah, he wanted to be top hundred, but I think he'll take 145th place. And you know, really, times were I, I read irrelevant. read off the, yeah, totally irrelevant out there. Um, yeah. But uh, so, anyways, awesome performances by everybody. But of course, we want to highlight our former guests. We appreciate uh, them joining us on the show and um, awesome results from all of them. All right. Julie, yeah. great episode. Oh, <laughs> that's it. I think uh, we're about an hour, so um, okay. You know, we don't have any stories from Docs. We'll we'll, we'll hopefully uh, get him back in uh, the studio uh, next week. And see, this is why Docs doesn't tell us where he goes. He leaves us in suspense, <laughs> so it's a mystery, and then he can have a great story or an incredible rant when he gets back. Maybe uh, he has some travel tales. Hopefully, all of that. Yeah. All right, great show, Julie. Docs, if you're listening, and I'm able to uh, twist your arm to edit the show, thank you. Thanks, Docs. <laughs> uh, Docs will hopefully join us next week. Um, thanks to our guest this week, Rich Kana, for joining us. Um, a Georgetown ho- legend, a George- DC legend, now a- Atlanta Track Club legend. A- a- executive director of the Atlanta Track Club who pulled off the event of a lifetime last weekend. Congratulations on an awesome event. Yeah, pull back the curtain, Julie. He did your podcast. You have another podcast for Georgetown and our podcast in the same yeah, day. Yeah, he's a trooper. <laughs> I mean, he we was- forced him to do a podcast marathon today, so yep. he needs to rest up <laughs> He now. needs to really rest up after the marathon and the podcast marathon. All right, that's Julie Cully for William E. Docs. I'm Chris Farley. This is Space Nation. We'll see you next week.
All right, we always have to have an Easter egg. Um, you know, just to pump me up a little bit. Can you talk about? Can you say how impressed you were after after you uh, did the did the podcast? Um, how impressed you are that I do this every single week and well, the energy that it takes. Yeah, I mean, I told a lot of people that. I don't know that. Do I have to tell you to your face? Do yes. you have to look you in the eyes right now yes. and tell you that? Tell me how great I am. Yes. Yes, it's a lot of hard work. It is. It is. I'm, a lot. I'm really proud of you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Uh, probably won't get hassled as much at home. I hope. Yeah. No, that's good enough for like the next six months. <laughs> okay. Great. There's your props. Thanks. <laughs>